Hey there! This is Diana DeMuro, and this is Real Page Turner, where we talk about a book that got turned into a movie. And previous episodes have had uh, Jurassic Park, Carrie, The Watchmen, and today we are going to talk about the 1962 book A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel, which recently got made into a movie by director Ava DuVernay of Selma and 13th fame for the big old, big old Disney. So mm-hmm. I'm joined today by... I'm Mike Birch. Mike Birch. And my sister, Jessica Sherman. Thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. So this is my first time hosting, so we'll uh, pardon my, my snafus. But I'll, I'll safety net you. All right, sweet. <clears throat> what I was kind of hoping was, before we really talk about the nitty gritty, if uh get a little background about when you first read the book and, you know, like how old were you when you first read it? And then kind of like what struck you about it? Why did you either like it or dislike it or thought it was weird or cool or what? So maybe Jesso, you could start. Yeah, so Diana very kindly gave me back my original copy. It has my name etched on the side, and this is probably from 1980. It's got a lot of words under When I was 10, I had a huge reading, you know, crush of books when I was 10 and 11, fourth, fifth grade, and yeah, I have a lot of vocabulary underlined. Um, you know, I think I gravitated to it because it was a female protagonist, and she was a bit of a, a weirdo and, yeah. a, and a nerd. And a little she, bit of a nerd. Yeah, a little bit of a nerd, and so I felt like, oh, that's me. I got a family that I love, and they're weirdos, <laughs> and I really valued, you know, learning about stuff and not worrying about fashion and yeah. Boys were friends at that point. There wasn't like a, right. you didn't necessarily worry about liking them in a different way. And so I think this appealed to me because it had that and then it jumped into the science fiction. The fantasy. Of, exactly. Yeah. So, so I, d- I did a little reading that um, Madeline Lengel was like reading a lot about Einstein's theories of time travel and those principles. And then she was kind of making up the story for her family to tell the kids and that People were worried that it was a little too hard for younger kids. But when she was making it up and telling it to her kids, she said that they were like, what happens next? Yeah. That they were really into it. Yeah. So I kind of like that idea that it, it is a little strange of yeah. a story, but it's definitely kind of a cool one for yeah. kids to start thinking about these like real science concepts, but also total fantasy, yeah. weird, weird stuff. So I probably read it around the same age, too. I probably read it around like 10, 11. And then I, I like, promptly devoured almost all of her books after that. Yeah. Because yeah. they definitely are some weird, like, she kind of, uh, in, in some ways, reminds me a little bit of, like, C.S. Lewis, where it's Narnia. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely some, some religious overtones at parts where you're sort of like, this Christian? Eh, it's not that Christian, but it's kind of Christian. And then yeah. it kind of also deals with science and fantasy. And, and then there's always cool family. There's always like some family members or friends that are tight that are making some cool connections. So, yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. I didn't think it was inaccessible when I was a kid. So um, I think sometimes we underestimate what's going to appeal to somebody at, right. at that time. Yeah. And you just devour it. And if you don't get everything, that's okay. 
Yeah, and then when you read it again, you get a little more out of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I really liked about the book was, like, there is, like, that kind of C.S. Lewis, like, every now and then they'll drop, like, uh, because the only way that you can win anything is if God wants you to. Like, they'll just drop that real quick, and you're like, oh, geez. Yeah. But it's also very rooted in science, and so it's like, a, I think it's, I'm not too familiar with the author and how she how she was, like, you know, politically or religiously or anything, like, outside of writing, but I get a really good sense of somebody who is who has faith but is also very uh, realistic on like the science of everything and this is kind of like the book is like a nice meeting of the minds of that where it's like it's teaching you about these really weird like science like quantum physics and stuff like that it's teaching you about those while also at the same time being like you know but if you're religious and stuff like that stuff's cool too like god like yeah sure (laughs) but like also like no but like yeah sure you can call it that that's what i got out of it whenever like it's always like a like a needle scratch whenever one of those sentences drops yeah and where it was just like just remember if god loves you you'll win yeah oh well, I kind of like, so having read some of her other books, definitely some of the other books also have kind of some religious themes or just kind of like faith type themes. And good and evil. Yeah. Good versus good evil. Good versus evil. And when I read some interviews with her later on, when she was kind of talking about how originally she had a really hard time getting this book published, and she said that when it finally did... She ended up winning the Newbery Medal the year after it got published, but she said there was like sort of like a mix of backlash where some people thought it was too religious and other people thought on the flip side that it was sacrilegious because they kind of view the characters as sort of wi- like a little bit witchy. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind yeah, of a funny thing. Some religious people are weird though right. like that. Yeah. So I don't I was kind of thinking, you know, just a little intro of of some of the characters that are really fun and really awesome in the book. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, actually, I thought it would be important, too, to say, like, you guys read this book when you were young and you read it growing up. I read it for the first time, like, a week ago. Yeah. So I was 31 years old when I read this book. So and how weird was this? <laughs> it was super weird. Like, I kind of loosely knew about the story. I just never gotten around to reading it. It's one of those, you know, I read, like... Um, it's not very long. I read, like, His Dark Materials yeah. and uh, uh, some of Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. I never Read, I read The Hobbit. I never read The Lord of the Rings. Oh, man, they're because good. Because I read, like, the first half of Fellowship of the Ring. And I attest to this day, is it was one of the most boring books I ever read. Because it's just long and it's drawn out. You need to be in the mood for it. I wasn't in the mood. Yeah. But I they're still good. own it. I own my copies. Like, it's that... It's that gigantic one that's all three of them together. Hey, well, Return of the King is a hell of a lot longer, so. <laughs> right, and it's not length. It's not because you're talking to a guy that will just, like, read through the entire Harry Potter series at the mm. drop of a hat just because mm-hmm. I felt like it. Yep. And I'll yeah. bust through those things. Yep. Um, it's true. I think you got to be in the mood for certain yeah. types of books. And the book, the, not getting to the movie just yet, but, like, the book is A Wrinkle in Time is... Uh, a really fun like book to, I can imagine like it would be a lot of fun to read it out loud to kids as they're falling asleep or something like that like yep. it's the dialogue is very basic uh, the story is very simple and like they don't really waste any time my biggest criticism of the book which also I think is kind of charming about it is like they don't waste any time uh like diverging into things or like when they're done doing something they don't like oh well then why would they start doing this they just go and then they started doing that yep. and then yeah. it's like okay they got to get there and that's one of the things i think that the movie f- 
falls on is that they try and adapt it a little too seriously to that and it doesn't pop the same like the dialogue and everything Mm. the dialogue is very direct and simple and to the point in the book scientifically and i think it works in the book but when you're seeing especially children actors like try to deliver these lines it's like ooh boy (laughs) but then again i also read that like ava duvernay said that she was really trying to make the movie for eight to twelve year olds and that's which is interesting when i watched the movie i was like dude if i was a kid growing up with this this is a lot like like labyrinth or hook where it's like the older you get or willow it's like the older you get labyrinth is never going anywhere but the older i've gotten hook and willow as prime examples yeah willow's have not started as good. to uh de- age like yeah there's like oh this is me, this is willow. not this. but i still have like that <laughs> yeah. nostalgic factor yeah, where sure. it's like i watch it and i'm like i remember watching this when i was a little kid yeah. like this is awesome so plus this book is the first in a trilogy also yeah. yep and it, it well it's it essentially as a, 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 a quint quintet yeah it's a yeah, quintet. later kind of yeah. but but initially it was just the three three books it goes uh wrinkle in time Wind in the door and a swiftly, swiftly tilting planet. planet. Yeah. yeah, and the the kid Charles Wallace, who's the little kid in this, is probably like thirteen by the end of the third book. Mm-hmm. So is he is he six in the book? Yeah, he's little. He's, he's supposed six to be, in the book. Yeah. Is he six in the movie? I think yeah. he's supposed to be younger in the book. I yeah. think he. I thought he was. I think he's four in the book because yeah, I read it recently. I think he's yeah. supposed to be four. Where. That's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. I get what you're trying to do with the keys, like a super smart. Yeah. yeah, he's in tune with something. Like the book is very is very psychological, and I think that's it's trying to teach these ideas about accepting yourself. And I feel like that's the one that's the main one that that Ava DuVernay and the screenwriters of the movie are going for. Is yeah. like the, it's really Meg's journey and like being proud of herself and who she is. Yeah. And stuff. So let's and talk about the book a little, a little bit. bit first. There's a little bit of that in the book, but it also deals with all these like psychological and scientific and religious things. Yeah. And there's no Reese Witherspoon. I thought it was interesting when I, and I, I think I made this connection too when I read it because I, I had a little weird crush on Albert Einstein. I think I did a, like a report well, on Who doesn't? When I was 10, like people I admire. Yeah. But similarly, Charles Wallace was kind of nonverbal for many years, but he was also this super genius. Right. And that was actually what happened with Albert Einstein. They oh, really? They talk. As a kid? As a kid for the first couple of years of his life and then came out full sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Similar. Similar trajectory. So let's let's talk real quick about some of the main characters. So we've got our kind of our main character is Meg. Meg Murray. Yes. And she's supposed to be like 12 around there. And she's supposed to be very bright, but also... Kind of a hot mess. Kind of a hot (laughs) mess. Like she, um, she has a hard time in school. And we find out early on that she's got this big family. She's got twin little brothers, and she's got Charles Wallace, who's the baby brother. And then her mom, who's also a really brilliant scientist, and her dad, also a scientist, is MIA. Right. So we kind of start out where it's just like a big stormy night, and that's like a great intro for a little kid book. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get introduced to these her weird precocious little bro yep who's sort of baby genius but also a little otherworldly and then you're like is he on the spectrum maybe (laughs) but he's also very smart yeah and i think they kind of tried to to work with that a little bit for the movie that he was sort of like they made him a little bit older for the movie which is like you said a little more believable makes sense yeah Yeah. i mean and especially just due to like 
it's easy to hire like an 18 year old actor to be able to play like a, a 14 or 15, which yeah. is what they're doing in the movie. Right. Because, you know, our idea of what 18 year olds look like in movies, they're always being played by people in their early 20s. Like that's your Jennifer Love Hewitt's, your Freddie Prince Jr.'s, your Matthew Lillard's, your Skeet Ulrich's. <laughs> oh, you're really um, dating it right now. Uh, but, uh, well, that's th- that's what I think about when I think about kids in high school. I think of Scream. I know what you did last summer, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I think of them and it's like, oh, these are people obviously in their early 20s. But when you're dealing with like the age gap between four and six, like when jump. we look at four, we think like kind of talking, but still a little god papa. Yeah. And with six, you're like, okay, here we go. And mm. so you can hire like a 10-year-old Weird. or even like a nine-year-old to play a six-year-old. And the nine-year-old can at least have some sense of like what's going on. There's definitely some line readings in the movie where it's like that kid has no idea what he's saying right now. That's fine. They're just, he's just <laughs> repeating. And that's one of the things yeah. in the book. He's always saying these big words and stuff. And it's just like I don't care how smart that kid is. He has no idea like what he's saying when, you know, when towards the end when right. like something big happens sure. where it's like bah, 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 bah. Yeah. he's yeah. got these grandiose monologues, yeah. which is very interesting how they were able to do that with the movie, with editing and cutting and making yeah. it so the kid didn't have to remember too much at one time. Mm. Uh, he's definitely my favorite character in the book, I'd say. Charles Wallace? Yeah, exactly. yeah I think he's the most interesting because Meg is kind of like a our protagonist and well, we definitely want, we're rooting for her, so but we're out. kind of in her head. Yeah, but you, like you said, just read this for the first time uh-huh. as a dude in your oh, yes. 30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a man. You are not a little child reading this for the not first a, time. I'm not a little lady. So definitely... Reading this older, you you think Meg's being kind of whiny or she tends to like have a hissy fit about something. But then when you're younger, you're like, oh, that's real. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I'd, legit. I'd say I, yeah. I, I yeah. agree with her whininess. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of in the same way it's like in Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Or in The Hobbit, rather. It's like Bilbo's kind of like a dick. And you're just like, <laughs> just go out and have fun because I want to read this book and have yeah. an adventure. I don't want to yeah. read 200 pages of you sitting at a table eating crackers and cheese, <laughs> as much fun as that sounds. And it's like, but you still identify yeah. with Meg and yeah. you're like, you, you want to see her get over these things and learn some stuff about herself. Especially when you're you're reading at that age, there's a couple things that come up. There wasn't a ton of female protagonists in books Tops. at that time. Yeah, definitely. And then there wasn't a lot of female protagonists that were weirdos basically and, yeah like they Either were pretty smart. they were pretty or they were popular or they they were trying to attain something else yeah um, they're not or necessarily they were a smart character yeah like nancy drew books i mean she was chatted all together and she was right. smart and pretty and in, you know interesting and meg's interesting because she is kind of like you know i love my family but i'm I'm kind of a mess. I'm not the littlest, and I'm not the one who has my act together. And then, uh, yeah, she's also, she's smart, but she doesn't have her act together. Well, she also has, like, she's quick to have a temper, which definitely as a kid I identified with. Yeah. I was probably the angriest at 11, 12 years old. (laughs) You know, that's when you're really quick to just be like, it's not fair. You know, like, (laughs) you're just like, why are you telling me to do this? I can't do anything right. Can I? You know, so, but, uh. Coming from the book, my favorite craziness are these three characters that we will compare and contrast yeah. to their movie counterparts. But we've got Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch. Yeah. And we meet Mrs. What's It first, and she's kind of described like a little tramp bag lady. Like a bag lady. Like she's like a little hobo lady yep. that kind of like dips in 
out of the wind and she's wearing sheets she's wearing sheets that she stole off of somebody's clothesline and charles wallace is already buds with her yeah which is weird which is weird but you Mm -hmm. don't think it's weird when you're a kid you're just like you don't you just like and i don't and i don't think it's weird like even as as a grown-up reading the book i didn't think it was weird because they explain it in a way that's very brief quick one two sentence like oh yeah i get that right in the movie it's very fucking weird yeah (laughs) so and they and they point out how weird it is like they make a point to make a running gag of how like freaked out the rest of the family is like no 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 stay away from her right because it's reese witherspoon walking around your yeah walking around your house like wearing Bed sheets. bed sheets as clothes. Yeah. You're but like, mm. they're also made glamorously into a dress. Whereas like in the book, she's I kind she of always like just imagined that she's just sort of like this hobo lady mm-hmm. kind of wrapped herself in stuff to stay warm. Yeah, like yeah. A, like the like the queen in Snow White when she makes herself like, you know, not like evil, decrepit yeah. old woman with yeah. the apple. Yeah. But I always I kind of got like a a feeling of like, ooh, this harmless yeah. person yes. who's like well, a little I, off-putting. I think that's supposed to be part of her disguise yeah you know mm-hmm. because but she's uh accessible but yeah, yeah. but she's kind of her. funny and weird and loving mismatched clothing yeah and, and then think- you've got mrs who and mrs who only speaks in quotes yeah which is pretty cool which is cool wow. and really weird as a kid especially when it starts being like other languages yeah. and she's always you know it kind of uses dialogue as this weird foil because she's still getting her point across well yeah. now and she doesn't only speak in uh the ma- phrases in but the majority the majority of, of but like in the and that's again like in the movie they make it a point like that's this character's thing mm-hmm. everything that comes out of her mouth is a, a is quote. a is a quote from earth right. which is fine because she's talking to earthlings so i'd imagine she would pick people that yeah. are from earth to like explain to them in their yeah. language but in the book, it's like, it's kind of just mixed in there. Yeah. Like she says, she talks normally and then yeah. she'll be like, to prove the point, like hammer at home, yeah. she'll be like, an Albert Einstein quotes. Yeah. Well, Mrs. What's It kind of says, like, she uses quotes when she's having a hard time saying what she means. Sure. She's like, you know, because we're kind of trying to get this idea that these guys are not actually human beings. Yeah. They don't, they probably don't even talk to each other. Who knows? Maybe they Vulcan mind meld or do some other weird way of communication but for all intensive purposes here they are and then the one that's the most different is mrs witch yeah because mrs witch is sort of like a weird ghost she almost. doesn't appear as a like right as a physical being most and of her the time. her voice in the book to read what do you think about that like it's a little it's a little crazy because you're it's you've got like repetitive consonants and yeah like, it's very it's, punctuated it's like yeah. it beca- I, I read it as like echoey kind of <laughs> yes, stuff yeah, like yes. otherworldly like very and willowy <laughs> this is another thing to get out of the way real quick with uh me reading the book i read it last week or like two weeks ago the movie had already come out yeah and so it's it was hard for me to like not imagine like the actress yeah, who had yeah. been. See, I had wanted you to try and read it and before. I got, and I got to tell you, it's all of the characters become their own thing based on the descriptions that I got. The only one where I'm like, that is perfect casting is Mrs. Witch. I cannot get Oprah out of my Oprah. head. Oprah! Because it's perfect. <laughs> and she actually does. Be a she, warrior. She nails it in this yeah. movie. I just think that I it's. I don't know about that. I think it's the tone and the look that's a little off. But I think yeah. Oprah, in the sense of like. The wise being. The she, wise yeah, being and being totally there, be. especially with having the protagonist yeah. now be a young black woman, is like, there's something about that that's just like. Snippety snap! I totally get that. Right. Yeah. No, and I and I was excited about the casting of Oprah, mm-hmm. but 
definitely seen previews of the movie, I was like, they look too pretty. Yeah. What mm-hmm. happened? So, They're so glamorous. I think that's an interesting point <laughs> while we're still talking about the book characters. Yeah. Is that, and, and we'll talk about this in the Disney context, but there's this reluctance to show old age. Yeah. Uh, in, in film. film. Totally. And, and TV. And uh, these characters partially look old because they're wise like they're, right they're showing and they are old right like they, when they are old like when she stars like, this old. is what's it is the youngest but she's like millions of years old exactly yeah. so um there's you know there's nothing wrong with looking old and they looked friendly but they did look disheveled they looked like crazy old ladies they look yeah. like crazy mrs who was just like a lady sitting around with a pile of books yeah and big mm-hmm. glasses could have been a librarian. It's, right. it's, <laughs> exactly. It's definitely a book that's like, again, you can read it to kids and their only imagination can fill in the blanks of like the yeah. descriptions and stuff so they can make it as dark or as happy as they want. Right. So I'd say the movie's version, again, for 8 to 12 year olds, I think they're going with the lightest, least offensive oh, like yeah. kind of version of it. Like the monster, monster, I'm so sorry, that is not what it is. The the form that Reese Witherspoon, that Mrs. What's It turns into, oh, I wanted is to talk vastly about that different later. from that. Hell yeah! But like <laughs> what it looks like in the book, like there's even one right here on the cover that you have, it looks horrifying. Like if you're a little kid, you'd be like, "What? Well, what is that?" Yeah. yeah. And so they kind of more turn into like a stingray kind of thing. So, I was going to ask you guys, like reading the book, um, especially Jesse, because you read it when you were young too, like. It's, it's kind of scary. It's scary. Like, the book is pretty legit scary, and I didn't think they quite got there with the movie, but then again, if I was a much younger kid, I probably would have found some of those aspects still scary yeah. later on, but the book with this whole idea, and and in interviews, I had read that Madeline Lengel was kind of like trying to comment on socialism a little bit. Yes. With this, yeah. with this idea in McCarthyism, yeah, because it's during the 60s. And that this idea of this planet of Kamazots, which is like everyone's the same. There's no individual thought. There's no individual thought. There's no individual anything. The kids are bouncing the ball to the same rhythm yeah. in the street. Some scary stuff. And that was really scary. Yeah, that book, was actually pretty. Very, very scary. Yeah. Like, imagining that. And that, again, was something that I, I had seen the trailer at that point. So of I remember like, yeah. oh, this is what the, it's like a cul-de-sac in this like suburbs. Like that's what I had envisioned in my mind. Yeah. But then they also go to like a city and stuff like that. And the city was horrifying. Yeah. It's like the book if you've is ever awesome. been to like New York City or a crowded city. Right. It feels like it, it feels like everybody else is linked into this thing that they, everybody has to do. And you're the only one that's like, well, what's going on? Right. I just want to find what? And it, and it's like oh no you need the pass for this to go to that floor and you can't yep. you need a permit to blah 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 and you're like I think as a kid that's like what you imagine adulthood is like yeah <laughs> yeah there's all these you're rules and these like... steps that you have to go through and it's like it's they're scary. like exaggerated yeah. versions of hall passes essentially right. so I think before we move on we also didn't mention Calvin and I, yeah. I want to give Calvin short trip Who? no Calvin is the friend yeah Calvin mm-hmm. I'm kidding yeah. no well, and and, uh, and Calvin in the book is way better. And I want to talk about that. Yeah, Calvin in the book is better, but I think the thing that is important and was a good contrast, like Meg has a very loving family. There's stuff that's wrong. Her father is missing, um, and they're all kind of misfits, but they love each other. They value each other. It's it's a home situation where you feel like... Yeah, she's happy to be home. Right. It's a safe place. It's a good place. And poor Calvin comes from the opposite 
where he needs to get out. Right. And there's tons of kids and his mom is angry and doesn't pay attention to him. And you don't know. I mean, not abuse outright, but like neglect. and Yeah. Uh, not physically abusive, no. but definitely mentally yeah. and like emotionally. So he's looking for his tribe. Mm-hmm. Well, plus also, and this is, you know, from repeat readings of the book too, because I remember I talked to you about this briefly and you, you didn't pick up on it, but Calvin's supposed to be like, from the outside, look pretty normal and be a jock and be like a tall, skinny kid. But in reality, he's supposed to be like... He's almost like an empath. He, um, yeah. But he also like skipped a grade or two because yes. it says he's like 14 or 15, but he's a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Yeah, and I, I, I look back and she's right. I misread that as like, because he was so good at sports, they skipped him ahead. And yeah, maybe no. he's a little in over his head because he's getting right. help on his homework from Meg, but that's not what's going on. Yeah. No, he was very smart, but now it's they skipped him ahead and now he's like kind of bored and he's not really, yeah. now like the sports are like what he's known for and nobody's yeah. paying attention to like how smart he is. Right. And and I think like him meeting the Murray family is the first time that he's sort of like, Charles Wallace, what, you talk? Everyone thinks you're kind of like an idiot kid. Yeah. And then he meets Meg and he thinks Meg is a hothead, but then he's like, oh, Meg's really good at math. But she's kind of stubborn. She doesn't remember anything about English. So he kind of like meets their family and, and thinks Mrs. Murray is like yeah. awesome compared to his own mm-hmm. mom. And you're, it's a little sad. Which yeah. I, th- I think is like it's great in the book. But I, that's one of the few, few things I think is uh, better handled in the movie is the reveal of Calvin's uh, home life yeah. is saved until about an hour and 15 minutes yeah. into the movie. And it, you're, you're, they you're make given... It, they make it kind of like an abusive dad situation in the movie. It's uh, But emotionally abusive. Because yeah. he's not hitting him or anything. He's just like, like he's saying like, yo, you've got, you're getting him. 84s and 83s, which uh, fine grades for yeah. a 15-year-old. Like, yeah, you could maybe do better. But he is landing it on him. And it's one of three moments in the movie that like emotionally got me. I'm very sensitive. And if a movie can get there on its own terms, like, I'll let it in. And, like, I cried during the movie at one point. Yeah. Even though I didn't care about any of the characters. (laughs) We'll get to that, yeah. Yeah. But I I like Calvin in the book, but Calvin in the movie, and again, I just saw the movie earlier this afternoon. Calvin in the movie is very cute, but he's a little bland. He's a little bland. He gets all his clothes back at the end, too, for some reason. That really (laughs) bugged me for the ending of the movie. I was like, how do you get all his clothes back? (laughs) I think the thing that's interesting about him before we move on, is that he has a bridge, communication-wise, right. that Meg doesn't have. Mm-hmm. That's and, very and true. And that's a thing that's left, she's left out. She He connects with Charles Wallace. He connects with... Um, with the, the, all the misses. With all the misses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all, he is kind of empathic, where he's like, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't even have to verbalize what you're thinking. It's like, I understand you. So right. that's sort of his superpower. Yeah. Would, would you say that... I know that the witches are women, but like technically they're not. No. They're presented as women in the form. Yeah, that you don't take. know what they you are. Really. So being the three main characters of from Earth, Meg is the only uh, female. Would you say like that's on that's heavily on purpose that she's the one that feels left out and powerless when compared to even like her little brother is only four years old, like has these abilities and these opportunities. So yeah. to speak, well, to I be think, able to communicate, I think a lot people of will it, listen to them kind of thing. Is mm-hmm. that like maybe in there or am I just like reading into that? I don't necessarily think it's it's as overt as that, but I think it's kind of like the idea that um, she doesn't necessarily think she's good at keeping her cool yeah. or articulating how she feels. Mm-hmm. Like she struggles she with that. She gets in her own way. Yeah. And that kind of comes up again and again where she either gets mad or upset and she like reacts 
emotionally. She'll get in a fight to defend her little brother or she'll yell at the principal because someone was bullying her at school. But she's not as good as just like sticking up for herself and being strong. And totally. these, these things yeah. come up as as positive later. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. The faults are, yeah. are very positive. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe this is a good time to take a little break. And when we come back, we can kind of really go into the movie and some of the major differences between the book and the movie. And I kind of wanted to talk a little about like, you know, a little bit about director Ava DuVernay and, and what I read she was kind of hoping to do. And then we can kind of just chat about whether or not we actually think that happened. But uh, yeah, sure. I'll yeah. talk about that. Okay. All right. All right, guys. We'll be right back. Welcome to another episode of It's Fitz, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 1971 classic, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This is a movie that you watch as a child, and you get older, and it still means something to you um it's the kind of movie that gets brought up or i don't know maybe you just think about it i recently was thinking about when charlie and his uncle were like stuck in the the bubble room and they were like heading towards the fan like they were like rising up and heading towards the fan and then i think they drank the bubbles or something and i think that was something they shouldn't have done i don't remember Maybe they should have. I mean, they were going to get chopped up by the fan, but I don't know. I just, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you think about it sometimes. Maybe it's just like in culture. And, um, what the fuck? Obviously, this has been another episode of It's Fits. back this is real page turner a story screen presents podcast and i'm back with jesse sherman and mike burge talking about madeline langles a wrinkle in time we both waved when she said when <laughs> i she love said it her name, like, i was we gonna go hey hello <laughs> oh hey but uh so yeah we're you know we're gonna talk about the movie now because jesse and i went and checked it out you know like the weekend it came out so about a month ago and mikey you just saw it I just saw it earlier this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's fresh. And and it was really good because I asked, so did you see the movie? And you were like... I think so. I think so. I think I went and saw the movie Blockers <laughs> by accident. Uh, like, so, is John Cena in A Wrinkle in Time in the movie? Sure. As, a, okay. as a monster? This is what's it. <laughs> so, all right. So I do like Ms. Ava DuVernay, and I was very excited when I heard that she was going to be the director. Um... But not going to lie, I saw the preview and I was like, that looks really different different, and glamorous and yes. shiny and pretty. And it is Disney. And it is Disney. Yes. I mean, when I saw the trailer before I read the book, I was like, oh, that looks like it's got quite the attitude. I'm excited about Ava DuVernay. Sign me up. Yeah. And then I read the book and then I immediately, like my celebration of finishing the book, I, re- I watched the trailer and then I was like, oh, that's, 
That's what it's going to look like. A little strange. It's a little strange. So we've got a pretty, pretty stellar listed cast, yeah. right? Ooh. So it's it's pretty packing a power punch. And I actually really liked the girl that played Meg. Her name's Storm Reed. She was great. She was great. Storm Reed is the best part of this movie, I yeah. think. It like inarguably, right? Yeah. Like she just carries it. Yeah, and I and I like the kind of mission idea of Ava DuVernay. Like I think I read an article where she was like, I'm gonna black womanize it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, power to you, man. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> like, it's not it's not like egregious to the no. point where you're like rolling your eyes. I mean, really, like the best part was like, you know, the hair bit. Yeah. In it because like, you know, it's it's a it's a stereotype, but also just like I think in agreement as as just a white man, like it's a cultural fact, like black women care about their hair very much on an emotional and physical level. Like it's a big part of them. And well, it's like making an easy that, way to other somebody. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. having and having her come to terms then seeing that like when she gets her what's the bully's name? Violet? Yeah, see, that was the thing, like, that was sort of like a movie only. Absolutely. But I think that that I didn't necessarily think played out very well. For like an eight year old or a 12 year old would understand what they've been talking about, like accepting yourself for who you are and being happy. Right. I think that was well done, kind of setting the stage. And I also think that I admire Ava for having this really strong young female. Who was totally age appropriate? Yeah, she wasn't too young. She wasn't, wasn't too, too old. old. She yeah. wasn't. She was wearing flannel. Thank God, you know, she was just being herself, <laughs> right? And being her nerdy yeah. eleven or twelve year old self, right? Um, but she got to be someone in this movie that all these little girls that never see themselves in a movie, right? And could that's the look, point. Look up to, yeah. yeah. And so it's I thought a, that was a cool time it for is, movies, yeah, right? Exactly. Now. And, it, and it's like you said when you said that. Of the book characters that Oprah seemed the best fit for Mrs. Witch, you're damn right. Like putting yeah. that as your like maternal but otherworldly figure mm-hmm. that you feel will take care of you and has a lot of power yeah. I mean, is I'm pretty not, badass. I'm not, yeah. I'm not black or a woman, and I feel like Oprah would take care of me. Like <laughs> the, maternal is the best word. Like I She's yeah, watch her, just like oh, listen to her. Like yeah. I like crackers, which are a form of bread. And she loves bread. She eats it all the time, every oh, day. Oprah does like bread, mm-hmm. so she says. I eat bread every day. Every we day. all like bread. <laughs> but uh, so the other other two misses I actually, are Mindy Kaling and Reese and Witherspoon. Reese. I liked Mindy. Uh, and I, M- Mindy Kaling played Mrs. Who, so she did a lot of the quotes. And I kind of liked how they modernized the quotes. Yes, they had a Lynn I mean, manual. I thought that was pretty fun. You got an outcast lyric you got in there. Some outcast. You got me. You bought yeah. you I, I I made the I made what I spent on my ticket. That's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. As soon so, as they referenced outcast, I was like, well, that's it. The rest yeah. of the movie can suck and I'll be happy. <laughs> and, and it did, yeah, but I wasn't. Quilts. Yeah. yeah. And a Lynn Manual Miranda Quilts. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And then some classics. But I liked she in some ways was a good fit because she was this like patchwork and she had the crazy glasses and the, gla- I mean, the, the glasses are kind of iconic. Yeah. Like they're um, a talisman or there's something to help. Right. Meg further on in the movie. Um, and then she's got these crazy quilts and this, this house that looks like the trees are growing out of it. And so, and yeah, even though she that. wasn't an old woman, she, right. she kind of fit and she had these these uh, ways of expressing herself that 
she had to do it through other people's quilts. So and, and I thought that was pretty well done. Quotes, yeah, yeah, I definitely. That was better. She was a better fit than some of the other. And like you said, I think the casting of Oprah was pretty on the money, but you know they had fun with their interpretations of what the costumes were going to look like. And definitely that was the biggest difference going into the film was like that the women were wearing these crazy outfits Mm. and they did not look like little old ladies anymore. And they didn't look like they were under the radar, like they were like made to be seen. So that was a little weird for me. I think like one of the one of the one of the movie's biggest problems is that it doesn't which is like an exact theme of the book and the movie which is having patience Mm. Mm. the movie does not have patience like the not a lot happens in the book you can very easily put that into a two-hour movie and the hour the movie i think clocks in at like an hour and 49 minutes Mm -hmm. yeah like you don't have to rush and it really feels like when they introduce mrs who's character and that's getting specific like they're like this house don't go in there they're in hi i'm mrs who i have glasses Okay, I speak in quotes. Bye now. I'm asleep. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? What was the yeah. point of that scene? Right. And I think that... Or uh, when they have Reese Witherspoon come into her house. It's, yeah. It's I a think very that, different experience than Mindy, the book. Mindy, like, suffers from that. I think that her portrayal of Mrs. Who is really good. But I'm just going to be... This is, like, the one thing I'm going to be super mean about it. I think Reese. That, I think that Reese Witherspoon is dog shit in this she movie. She sucked. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I think that her heart's in the right place. I think she's miscast. I think she's not into it. It doesn't work. Like, especially if she's supposed to be the youngest and the most inexperienced, hiring undoubtedly the most experienced actress of the three to play the most inexperienced just on like a meta level for me just didn't click. Maybe that won't be for kids because they haven't seen Legally Blonde 2. I think. Which they should. (laughs) (laughs) I think behind the scenes I read that she was like really psyched to be a part of it. Yeah. But. That still doesn't necessarily mean that she was the best casting for it. I and like it. I, I also did not – in the book, she is supposed to be kind of the one that the kids can talk to the most. Yes, like, like she's, a grandma. She's the most accessible. Like she's the one who actually speaks English, who will talk to them, who will help them. Kind of warm and fuzzy. And she's definitely kind of mean to Meg. Like she kind of like talks down – to yeah, her. She's a little impatient with Yeah, her. she's kind of like, I don't know, Charles Wallace. What's her problem? I don't think we should bring her. You know, you're kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, it's like we, we the kids are unknowns. Obviously, the parents, uh, I mean, Gugu is kind of unknown at this point. No, the parents are beautiful and people. Yes. Then they're great. Chris Pine, we'll get to him. I'm sure we have like right, that. But the entire... mom is Black Mirror San Junipero. Mm-hmm. Gugu. Oh, I can't say her last name right. I'm not even going to try. It's she's like an Mabuthu, amazing actress. Mabuthu Ra or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. She's gorgeous, and I wish the mom was in it more because I like that actress. I like how much the mom is in it, like because they kind of force her into the movie a little bit more than the mom is in the book. Like, right. The yeah. mom's really like yeah. last two pages and like maybe first 15. Mm-hmm. They really give that opening. Well, they give both of the parents more yeah. in the movie because you don't really – even see or have any imagination of the dad. Yeah, he's really much a MacGuffin in the book where you don't know, like, what's this guy like? Like, yeah, all Mr. we're Murray. hearing is, like, th- second parties. Yeah. But in the movie, we're very much like, get to Chris Pine. We yes, love him. we're rooting Save for him, him in yeah. the movie. Right. And they kind of present them. They they sort of show the parents as these, like, burgeoning scientists in the movie, kind of working together. Whereas in the book, 
The mom is a different type of scientist. She's not working on the same time travel crap as the Yeah, husband. no. And I think that's just for posterity's yeah, sake. They're it's trying fine. to simplify it real quick. Like, yeah. oh, this this couple were working on something that they were both very passionate about. And they were right. both yeah. scientists. But it kind of introduces the idea in the movie more so that the dad was like not cocky, but like getting to like he wanted the the fame and glory of making this discovery, and he was kind of like letting that overshadow just being happy about his family and his kids. There, That's not really in the book as much. No, yeah, there's definitely in the movie. There's the sense that like the male figure in like a parent relationship, whether that's their gender or not, like the the dad figure will never have like the same emotional attachment to their children, whether they're biological or not, because the the the, the event that launches him to that makes him. Tess the first time mm-hmm. uh, is him looking out the window and looking at his wife with their newly adopted son right. and noticing like how she's humming and she's completely in love with him and he's looking at that and he's over here working on science and stuff and that's it, at least my read on it that's what activated why do you think the they made him adopted with. in the movie because he's not in the book I think that no they're both adopted no. Yes. Uh-uh. Yes. Then this is what I thought too. I was like, "Oh, is Meg just fine?" It's in the beginning when she's younger in the opening scene, he says, "Out of all of the things that could have happened, me and my me and your mother found you." And now, so I believe really? that they're adopting, they adopted both oh, of them. Oh, see, I didn't I didn't take yeah. it as that because the I mom think, is the mom is black and the and, dad is white and uh, she could clearly just be an interracial absolutely. kid. Absolutely. And and yeah. uh correct listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't know. that's uh I'm fairly certain that that was in the beginning yeah. scene that they said like the whole point is like all these things led to you being born and me and your mother were able to find you uh. and now they're going and adopting. So it might be a thing that I don't know. Uh Meg's mother, Mrs. Murray, can't have children, or vice versa. That uh, Chris Pine. What's the dad's? Alex? Alex Murray? Alex uh, Murray? I don't know. Mr. I, Mr. Murray. I always just talk Mr. about him Murray. as Mr. Murray, so I don't know. Because the mom is uh, Mrs. Murray. They no, don't. But she's they don't got give a name the. Yeah, but in the Martha, in the book, Marjorie. they don't really give them names. Yeah, but maybe one of them can't have children, and right. that's why. I mean, I think the other thing that a lot of uh, yeah, even on IMDb, they're just referred to as Mr. Murray Mr. and Mrs. Murray. Mrs. Murray. You know, a Makes lot of sense. middle grade books and a lot of YA books, they uh, the kids are central, the central characters. And right. they're the ones that are doing the hero's quests. Right. So you don't always get the adults as fleshed out. Yeah. Um, so or they- there might be a couple of crucial people that help you with your quest, right? So right. that ends up being the Mrs. In, in this particular one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my hardest thing was that with the Disney, the Disneyfying of the movie, it was so pretty. It was very, very beautiful. That it, it lost a lot of the uncertainty and, and the scariness until almost the end when it was really extreme. Yeah. And then you're, uh, you know, you're kind of just thrown thrown into that so i mean this whole thing is weird you know yeah meeting the missus is weird and going and, and going on this journey is weird and even the stuff that's beautiful is weird yeah they take the pit stop sort of on this planet of uriel yeah and it's supposed to be like their kids kind of quasi acclimate a little bit to to time travel and give them a chance to like catch their breath before they take them to the really scary place where yeah. their dad is and like you said, the cover of the book in A Wrinkle in Time is sort of like this weird Pegasus centaur. Yeah, yeah, but like the arms or the wings. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, 
And, ah! and like it, it looks so scary. And it's sort of supposed to be like all of a sudden Mrs. What's it is no longer Mrs. because could she could be a man. Right. Yep. It, she doesn't have a gender. She's this weird horse being and they're flying on her. Yeah. And then there's like music that's sort of biblical. But then they also get to kind of see a glimpse of the dark thing, yes. the darkness that's like surrounding Earth and other places. And that kind of is like their first. It's sort of like never ending story, like having the nothing. It is a little bit like you know, that. which you're sort of like is never ending story. Which rip I off also of this. So just rewatch. Thank you very much, Mike. Oh, you're welcome. I got I got that for you for Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah. that was that held up pretty well. Yeah, so no, that that goddamn movie holds up. It's I mean, still just as terrifying to like forty year olds as it was to like nine year. You're like fucking Jesus. Yeah. Well, and without getting off topic, that movie. Oh, we love that here. That movie is similarly about this fantasy world right. that things are happening in, in the real in world. Earth and then on this in this fantasy place. Right. And it's up to a kid to just save the day. And it's up to a kid to save the day. He's got, but a, na- he's got a name, the princess. Yeah. There's an undercurrent of fear and uncertainty the whole time. Right. Which is which is makes w- you super kinda anxious. what I wanted with this movie. I wanted to be a little darker than it was. Not- yeah. I think because it was Disney it wasn't as dark, and maybe if it had been a non-Disney movie, a different type of director, or even Ava DuVernay maybe, would have taken it in a slightly darker turn. Yeah. I don't know. I read that like a couple of weeks before pre-production, her stepdad passed away. Oh, wow. And that she was really tight with him, so she said like it was sort of like a cathartic experience because it's all about kind of missing your dad. Yep. And so when you think about it in that context, you can kind of like you think about Meg her dad's not there. And I think a lot of like stories will deal with the son missing their dad, but yeah. this was kind of cool to have the daughter missing her dad yeah. still. Yeah. There's no yeah. argument that it's like, oh, how refreshing to have this not only be a girl, yeah. but to also have her color. be a, pers- a, a yeah. girl of color. It's like this is cool. And yeah. she's smart. Mm-hmm. And know, I think so. that's one of the reasons that like I was I was so prone to sensitivity with some of like the more emotional moments. Like mm-hmm. when she yeah. when she first and this is jumping ahead just the tiniest bit, like when she first finds her dad and she's got that breakdown moment where she's mm. just like dad is like this little yeah. girl you're like yeah. I, it got me I cried yeah. I could not give two shits about any of the characters on screen <laughs> in this movie yeah. like I'm just drinking my I'm, I'm out of coffee I'm just sitting here in a dark room and I'm like it's gotta end eventually because like I'm sick of this right. <laughs> But it still got me sensitively because she's yeah. she's a very good young actress and I'm excited she's, about is she she's the one from uh uh, what is it, the dark, 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 the dark, uh... That, She's not. That other movie? That's not the same actress. That's not the same actress? No, because that actress is the one oh, that's, that's in the, the Hunger Games. Oh, that's the one that played Hunger Games, that played, uh... The little one. Poe? Oh. Poe? Rose? Roe? Rue? Rue. Rue. Poe? Poe? Rue? Rue? Yeah, this one's, you're right, because this... It's not the same actress. Her name's, her name's Storm Reed. Yes, this actress yes. is named Storm okay. Reed, and I that hope I hope we actress. see her again. She was good. I'm sure yes, we will. Um, and you know the kid that played Calvin, he was very cute. He was cute. Uh, his name is I wrote it down because I knew I would not remember. Da, na, na, na. Levi Miller and Charles Wallace was Derek McCabe. So those little dudes. So those are yeah, those are all relative unknowns. Um, the other big twist from the book. Oh, was that happy they medium. that they changed the character of the happy medium, which is sort of the fortune teller, from a lady female to Mr. Zach Galifianakis, who's yeah. a weird choice. Who's the most feminine man I've ever yeah 
but scene. I, but I also thought it was funny and maybe not appropriate or weird to have it like implied that him and Mrs. What's It were like boyfriend girlfriend sort of. Did you get that vibe? Yeah. yeah well, no. It, they specifically say they're like, "Is this guy like your boyfriend?" And he's like, <laughs> and and yeah. Reese Witherspoon <laughs> is like, "Oh, we don't really think in terms like that." Yeah. But then they've got like a little playful thing. Right. And in the back of my head, I'm just like. Ha ha ha! It's not I'm 31 years old. Are needed. they like? Ha, are they like together? What's going on here? Yeah. Well, it's also kind of not really needed because it's sort of like the happy medium is sort of just like it's just jokey. It's just like a way for them to see what's going on, mm-hmm. and then also you get that weird glimpse of home life where you get to see Calvin's messed up family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like the weird Meg realizing that Calvin doesn't have all of it together and she's not as jealous of him. Right. Yeah. She actually feels bad for him. Zach, Zach Galifianakis is a good actor and he's very good in this I, movie. Yeah. I yeah. think that he works at first as kind of like a gimmick, jokey. Yeah. And then he when he goes into that private scene with uh, just him and Meg and he's got good. that moment to like really act and Zach Galifianakis is a very good actor and he can like hone in on... Yeah. sensitivities and stuff like that and I, I think he does, he was a good, I think he does a great job in this yeah, movie yeah good match for that so let's talk about the bad planets Kamazots Kamazots wait before we talk about Kamazots can we just talk about when Oprah got really big oh let's talk about when Oprah got really big isn't she big throughout the whole thing she's only small once but like she, no she like gets like oh, giant gets, yeah, size big. and I couldn't help it I laughed in the theater aww and I was just like, oh, geez. It was kind of like, you are awesome. Mm-hmm. Laugh, Oprah's size so... finally matches up with her. Her persona. Her, 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 <laughs> her just her legends. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, like you said, the beast. Well, Reese Witherspoon. She kind of turns into a weird cabbage manta ray. Yeah. And also, too, Oprah turning into, like, gigantic, like, you know, like, 20-foot Oprah. Yeah. That's, like, if this is part of, like, the whole new, like, Godzilla King Kong thing that they're doing where they want to pit them together, <laughs> fuck, I would watch that. They could charge $300 a ticket for King Kong versus Godzilla versus Oprah. You're telling me it, you wouldn't spend $300? I'd, like, <coughs> I'd go to that. This is my wife, Oprah. <laughs> Well, yeah, let's talk about the scary planet. Let's talk about socialism. So in in the book, that scared the hell out of me. Yeah, the book is scary. The idea of the guy with the red eyes is really goddamn scary in the book. It's scary that they come into this place that is like this dirty city. And it's almost like uh, everybody's working really industrial, hard. Industrial, yeah. Very industrial. And then the parts that are clean or are spick and span, and there's this sameness to everyone, but not in a not in a good way, right? Like you cannot deviate. And when from... they when they witness that one kid screwing up, bouncing the ball, yeah, he they, like gets like really taken drop away. Drop that yeah. in the movie. Yeah, like they they introduce the similarity thing, and it's more just as kind of like a creepy thing at the beginning. Yeah, and then they immediately drop it because like the one girl who, again, like me and Diana, I, I was telling Diana, me and Diana last night just watched Mission Impossible three. Okay. And the actress that plays the woman, the mom, the, mom, the one mom is like, do you look lost? Oh. Like, I just saw the movie today, and I, the only reason I was able to go, I recognize that person, because I just saw the only other movie she's really ever been in. Her name's, like, uh, Bellamy Young or something like that. Oh, was she from Scandal? She is from Scandal. That's the only <laughs> other thing that she's in. Like, that's so funny that you know that. <clears throat> Scandal. Uh, but, yeah, they really just drop all that, and then they go to, like, the beach. and Yeah, yeah so... That... But, like, the book is you know way what? scarier and way more interesting. So it's interesting, because... 
I that was one of the times where it deviated from the book, but I also thought it was kind of cool. It's really cool. Yeah, like I, cool. I liked. Um, is it Michael Pena mm-hmm. who's playing the man with the mm-hmm. red eyes? Dude, he Knocks was great. It out of the park. He was. Scary. He was great. He was very scary. And that whole sequence of like losing your little brother at the beach, or like losing your mom at the grocery store—that yes. kind of panic Anxiety. feeling. And this is was uh, awesome. This is also like the read that I got because we, me and you talked about the Diana. Me and you talked very briefly about uh, the man with the red eyes. Oh yeah. And now he was kind of creepy. Oh yeah. And I remember I in was in the like, book. Like his mouth isn't supposed to move. Right. You're supposed to just be like hearing red his voice eyes. in your head. And I didn't. Really Realize that his mouth wasn't moving when you pointed that out to me. Yeah. And so when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, this is like an obviously like nice guy who they're just because they're suspicious. They're like, no, we know we can't trust because all he's doing is like, you should eat. No. You should eat some food and like you should hang out. And like the movie does that perfectly where like they hide his eyes with glasses. Mm -hmm. So he's Michael Pena. He's the guy that makes you laugh and Ant-Man and he shows up and he's just like, oh, I got all this food. If in the movie when his like weird puppet body just like collapses, that was terrifying. terrifying. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah, that that scared me a lot. So I thought that was pretty well done. I I would have rather have seen like the city and going towards the, uh, you know, going towards the, the big building where all the rules are made essentially and I would have rather have had that, but if cut for time, we had to do something else. I really like the colorfulness of the beach yeah. to trick the kids into yeah. thinking that they're in it's like a, a good really chaos. And then he like he leans down the glasses. He's like, "Thanks for taking them right to Scary. us." And the right. eating of the sand, like so, they finally they finally eat, eat, and the kid is like, "This tastes like sand." It tastes like sand, right? Mm-hmm. And you just Which horrified. in the book, it's just like it's not it, like this isn't real food, right? And in the movie, they're like, "You're on a beach." You're eating the sand like you're not actually eating food. Yeah, that's scary. That's pretty scary. So it was yeah, pretty well done. I think Michael well Peña is really, yeah. really good in this. It's just like, again, they don't really use them enough. It would have been cool to see the the city building scape, the business like yeah. buildings. And, and again, they're just saving time, which is another big thing that we're coming up to. Like my two favorite parts of the ending were cut from the movie. Oh, from the and book. And it's obviously... Yeah. Or, from the the ending of the book, yeah, we're yeah. cut from the movie, and you can tell it's because they're like, "Yo, we need to wrap this up," and I'm happy that they did. Yeah, but I wanted some Ant Beast. Ant. That's the beast. worst. That's well, the absolute ant worst. Beast. It's unforgivable. Ant Beast. Yes, they didn't have any Ant Beast. So there was, was like a, a made-for-TV movie version of Wrinkle in Time in the early aughts. Wait, really? And it had a young actor, small soldiers, Evan Brown from. Everwood is no is Calvin way. in it? What? I think we need to watch and this. And I've again. seen it. It's not great. It's really it's not great. TV, I bet it? it's not. And, I'm so excited about and, this. And I and I'm not gonna lie to you. Aunt Beast kind of looks like a Wookie and cousin It mixed together. Like you can't see their face. That's sort of oh, spot that's on. Not, I, oh, and uh. it's kind of a weird thing. And I remember like. Well, we see the version of what they are very briefly in the movie. Yeah, but it's like so far away. Because it's an obviously yeah. deleted scene. Yeah. And they were like, we can't do Ant Beast. Yeah. So let's real quick just show. But man, I love Ant Beast. And I also love like Meg freaking out in that sequence. Meg freaking out in that sequence. It's so good. The entire point of her father figure being like, she realizes that he's not the hero that she thought he was, that he's just like a regular person yeah. that makes her understand her own faults. Or th- that's are so okay. important to yeah. the story. And they just completely yeah. get rid of all of like, that. Like that's the best best part is is that lesson of learning. Like you're not, you can't always rely on your parents or the adults to save the day <laughs> that you're going to have to save yourself. Yeah. And so, 
she has to go back and save her little bro. Her dad can't do it. Calvin can't do it. The Mrs. What's yeah, It Who's Which. You know, and, and it's also that moment where she realizes, like, I'm sorry, Dad. I was being kind of a shit. Because she gets so mad at her dad that he didn't perfectly wrap everything up. She's like, oh, you didn't save him. You didn't save me. You screwed everything up. Yeah, because he's just a dude. He's like, I'm trying. My, I'm in yeah. the middle of like this yeah. crazy universe here. Like, I'm just a person. Yeah, I think that's good for that's her. That's like to a see moment of maturity. Her, right. Her it's, parents are yeah. people. And in the movie, yeah. they really have like, and I love Chris Pine. He's and great. I, I love Chris. But Pine. I'm gonna give. Um, it's not the writing of his character. It's because Chris Pine is the one doing it that he's I like care dialing. about his character. Yeah. And. He very briefly has it like, shit, I have to leave my son because I need to get my daughter out of here. I yeah. need to at least try and save her. There's well, no way I can save them both. It's Sophie's choice. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. And, yeah. It, and they just kind of make it where she's like, I'm not going to leave him. And then he's got like, uh, uh, Charles Wallace has like crack, yes. cracky face. Uh, and he's, he's and that, like. And that's scary too. I mean, I can only. I guess. Um, do you know, do you know who plays the voice of, they can't call it it. Now, obviously they have to call it the it. Oh. Because they can't call it it. No, in, the, in the book, it's just called it. It's just called, but they can't called, do that no, now. And can't. it becomes this giant brain. Pulsating brain. Yeah. Which, which is kind of weird. because that would have looked so cool. Well, that's yeah. my thing. I'm like, why didn't they show the brain? Are yeah. they supposed to be inside a giant brain? It looked like they the were end? inside the giant brain. It did brain. make it look like they were inside and there was sort of like nerve synapses, but I didn't think it was as cool as when you're a kid yeah, and you're like, like you're terrified of this like disembodied weird giant brain, brain. on a pedestal yeah, yeah that's pulsating just like, and it's not doing anything physical to her yeah. it's just like I'm a big brain and I'll get you and it's directly talking into yeah. your mind mm-hmm. and it's kind it's of like scary as hell the bad guy in the Matrix uh, Matrix sorry uh, Metroid was a gigantic oh. mother oh, yeah. brain it was brain. very scary I don't know if they they made it an internal brain because it would be less scary to little kids. That's what I'm guessing. The, the ending of yeah. this, the last scene of this is too much. Yeah. It's so like green screen. But do you know who plays the voice of the it? No. Tell me. Do you know? I looked it up before and now I can't it's, remember. Uh, David Oyeloyo. Oh, no! yeah. Hey. I remember listening Sell to it. I was like, is Sell. that... Who, who is this? And I thought it might be him or Ooh, maybe like a know. Benedict Cumberbach kind of guy voice, like yeah. doing doing like his like his best smoke impression yeah. but then I looked it up and I was oh. like it's that boy yeah I did not know that yeah. I think he does a really good job as the voice that's he does. kind of how it's I scary thought and attractive at the same time not attractive <laughs> but no it has to be it has to pull you in like yeah. you're tempted that's also the good versus evil like, hey, don't you want to be this pretty version mm-hmm. of Meg? And I, I thought that that really worked and... with the way that they built out, like, the Violet or the bully character, whatever yes. her name is. I really like how they they built that out. And they showed, when they show, like, this is what the darkness does. And it shows the principal getting promoted and then the other teachers, like, being jealous and hating him for right. it. Even though it's a moment of, like, happiness, something that he earned and... You know, and her, like the bully, like wanting to lose weight and yes. having a diet. I really like that it really does show you, like, the darkness that is in every day to day without actual evil people. Well, and it's what's at stake kind of thing. It's That's kind good. of a lesson that you got to learn that everybody has their shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You just got to be nice. You don't well, know that also... when you're a kid. You kind of think your problems are the biggest problems. But... Right. So that's like the big, the uh, kind of the big takeaway for in the book and then they do talk about it in the movie a little bit but like when they are getting kind of pushed to go take care of Mr. Murray and try and find him Mrs. What's it is like 
Meg, I give you your faults. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. like the big takeaway. Like she's like, oh, Calvin's a great communicator. And she's like, Charles Wallace, you know, like, remember your childhood. Like you're a kid. And that's kind of the idea of like. Yeah, remember yeah. that you're a kid. Yeah. Like don't get too ahead of yourself. They don't, they don't do that in the movie. They don't. And it's kind of supposed to be like, don't get too cocky because like you're just a little kid, you know, you be a kid, be a kid. And then Meg, it's kind of like, it's okay for you to get upset or like lose your temper or yeah, exactly. And fight for your people. Right. So that, that makes her the the right choice for saving everybody. She's the brave heart. She's the one who can go fight for everyone. And they kind of, at the end, they hammer home the love because Mrs. What's-It gives her her love at the end, which I feel like falls flat with Reese. In the book. In the book. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's not what happened. Yeah, because Mrs. Reese with a spoon, she's not so good. She's not so lovey. She's cold. Small tangent real quick. Yeah. Do you guys get Reese Witherspoon and Renee Zellweger confused? Not anymore. Not anymore. Maybe I when did they today. I was like, in their I can't wait to talk on the podcast tonight about how much Renee's how much we, which one is it? And I was trying to remember. Is that because we watched Tom Cruise yesterday? No, it's because I always get uh, Cruel Intentions and uh, Bridget Jones's Diary. That's those the, are very different movies. Very different. And, <laughs> and Renee and Reese are Renee, very different looking people. Renee, can it's just do a it's really in my head and I can't do it. On English accent though. I don't know if Reese could do the accent. Yeah. Well, isn't Renee Zellweger English? No. No, she's American. Oh, good for her. Wait, what? Wait, when she did that movie, Tangent, she yeah, was a lot of people praised were, by... A lot of people were mad that they didn't use a British accent. I did not know yeah. this. But they gave her props because her accent was spot on. Wait, was Bridget Jones' Diary of the Book, was that written by... An a, English a, author. That's fucking nuts. I did not know that. Yeah. That, oh, no, I knew it was written by an English actress. I didn't know that She's Renee Zellweger was not English. America. And they let her do that? Yeah, yo, You Complete Me is American. That's like the reverse of how it works. They usually <laughs> let English people play American icons. Yeah, this is true. Because Emily Blunt is great Which, at everything. Uh, Bridget Jones' Diary is a great movie, right? It is a, we, yeah, it's, it's a fun. Great movie. It's, fun. it's, it's a fun movie. The second one's not as good. My theory but the is first one's really fun. All rom-coms are either Shakespeare or, or Pride Jane, and Prejudice. Or Jane Austen. Or Jane Austen. Yeah. yeah. All rom-coms are. are either Shakespeare or Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, close. No, I uh, love Renee Zellweger and love Reese Witherspoon. But the end but of this movie. But neither of them are good in this movie. Yeah. No. I, I actually think if they went for the grandma, for Mrs. What's It, like a grandma person who was comforting like a helen mirren and like helen mirren it's totally serious yeah like a lily tomlin <laughs> oh yeah there you Ooh. go you know somebody who's kind of wacky and disheveled but... i actually believe it or not yeah. thought even meryl streep would have made like a crazy yeah. like if she was having like a silly experience of acting and didn't take it too seriously jane duty dench she'd be oh, pretty yeah. funny as uh, mrs who i think would be perfect yeah just like sitting there just like making whoa, some whoa, quotes whoa, 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 yeah whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Meh. 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 Yeah, the movie is they not all make good it home. and it sucks because like it's... <laughs> the movie's not good. The movie's not good and it sucks. But I think that it's... I would be... I would be... Ex- I'm excited to talk about the movie with people who are like 10 years old right now. 10 years from now, like when they're 20 and they want to talk yeah. about movies that they grew right. up with. And they're like, wow, I remember the first time I saw Wrinkle in Time 10 years ago when it yeah. came out. That's like, true. It was really good and it taught me this and that. And that's I what I hope it like, is. That's what I want to see where it's like, like Labyrinth taught me that. Yeah. That it's like your angsty nonsense, even though uh, like adults don't want to deal with it. Like it's, it's, it's childish stuff. 
and there's a time and a place for it. Like that's kind of like the thing that Labyrinth taught me over multiple viewings when I was younger. Mm. And I feel like this movie, you know, watching it when I'm 31 years old, I'm like, Ugh. it's yeah. also hard to go see a movie after you've had years of of like in the book. Yeah, yeah. that's, and a, it's, that's it's a big very thing much, to live up to. And the movie itself, I think, is not is not for like me at all. Right. Yeah. You that's, know, like there's nothing really going on that's in the movie for me, other than the fact that like it looks really cool. Yeah. There's a couple shots in it that look great, and like that's obviously Ava DuVernay and her communicating with her cinematographer. And New Zealand. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. I think the thing, too, with this book, um, for a lot of people that are in their 30s and 40s, it was the right book at the right time. Yeah, and, and that's true. That's just like Harry Potter when it came out was the right book at the right time mm. for that audience, mm. and there'll be... Subsequent books after that, and it's Jessie's just, a librarian, so she knows. You just—you oh, should have mentioned that at the beginning. <laughs> you just, you, Everything she said should be like treated as gospel because she's a librarian and she's talking about a book. <laughs> the librarian. Kids <laughs> are funny. Oh, don't blush. No, it's okay. Yeah, but, but I think that you guys—you read the certain certain books developmentally. You yeah, know? you read them at certain ages, and they have you, more of an impact you on read you. For JD sure. Salinger, when you're a teenager, true, and you're like he gets me. You exactly, know? and yeah. you read certain things when you're uh, in your twenties, and it could be Bridget Jones, but you know something mm-hmm. totally. like that. Where you're no, like, I feel you. You're like I'm a royal fuck up, and this yeah. is the right book. You right read now. High Fidelity at or, the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. exactly. That's High Fidelity was my Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. I never read Catcher in the Rye when I was like a teenager. And I read High Fidelity when I was like 17 years old. And he's great. And now I can't read Catcher in the Rye because I make it, I've tried three times. I make it two chapters in. I'm like, this kid is a fucking asshole. I don't want to <laughs> listen to him. And he's kind of supposed my, to be. He's supposed to be. I just missed my opportunity where I don't yeah. have. That's too bad. I wish that I could have related to him. I wish I'd read it when I was like 14 years old and I could have related right. to him. Yeah. Now right. I'm just like, grow up. You need to go get a job. Like, shut up. It's still one of my faves. But yeah, it all depends on when you first got I'll read it. Because it's it. it's not long and yeah. uh, uh, JD Solinger's um, what is it uh, four stories? No nine S- nine, nine stories. stories. Yeah. Is I love that. Yeah. I've read that yeah. over and over again. But I just I just randomly open it to a different story, story. and just like read that. Yeah. yeah. So I think movies are like that too. So I'm hoping yes, there's like a, a league of young girls that see this movie and they're like, that's, cool, that's me. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is cool. It's cool to like science. It's cool to not have to put makeup on when you're 11 years old. And exactly. Yeah. Want to yeah. play outside and hang out with your, you know, it's cool to be a good big sister. Right. And like your family. Or you have a nice kid friend. like Calvin who likes you for you and you don't have to pretend. To be something yeah, else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good message. And yeah. that on that level, that was a, it was a good movie. Yeah. The movie's definitely doing something that's really cool that I'm not going to knock. I just didn't. It just I, didn't, I didn't deliver the, the goods that I was yeah. hoping for. Yeah. Especially having read the because one of my original ideas with doing the episode with you was like, let me go see the movie first and then I'll read the book. And yeah, we'll and I was like, don't that do that. Is. And I'm so happy I didn't because reading the book was such like a joy. Mm-hmm. And if I had seen the movie completely beforehand, it would have ruined like some of like the really fun stuff about it. So yeah, so if you saw the movie and you were a little disappointed. I really recommend checking out, um, in 2012, a graphic novel version came out by Hope Larson. Um, She's done a lot of cool illustrations. So she's got a a full-on graphic novel version of Wrinkle in Time that 
is pretty unabridged. It's like pretty much yeah, all the text. Pretty close to the book. And her drawing style is really cool. Her palette is like just in blues and black and white, but it's it's really well done. Um and you can kind of imagine the characters, but I felt like it was a little bit of a closer version than what I had imagined them as a kid. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it looks really good. I'm going to start reading that tonight. Actually. I think it just came out in paperback recently because yeah. of the movie. So it's a cool thing. And and the paperback version, I bought it for a friend of mine, and it's got um, it's got some cool extras in the back of the book, like a little bit of a Q and A with the author and with Hope Larson making it. And then it's got some like cool like sketches of shows like first draft sketches and fun oh, stuff cool. like that, which I always like to see with illustrations. So definitely worth checking out. If you don't want to buy it, get it at the library, man. Yes. Go to the library. Yeah. Yeah, go to libraries. Yeah. They're very important. Especially for to go to them. Especially for graphic novels, because those are expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, you know, in in a year or something, and I I would say um, just get this movie from the library for free versus paying for it later. Well, you oh. also <laughs> want to support the the people that are making these things, the artists and I'm not the saying download it, I'm yeah. just I'm going to plug the audiobook too because they just re-released another version and Hope Davis. Oh, I listened to that. The blonde actress who you know and love. Yeah. She re-narrated it. I I actually just listened to the that. The book or the graphic novel? The book. The book, the the book, book version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's So there's an cool. audiobook version with and it's read by Hope Davis and yeah. it's pretty good. I was going to say an audiobook version of a graphic novel. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Like that's the the <laughs> whole point is that and the pictures are in your brain. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Any closing thoughts, guys? They're nope. pretty good. I can't recommend the book enough. The book is good. The book is great. If you got kids, show them the movie and maybe watch it. And and if you liked the first book and have not read any of the others, I definitely recommend the next two books in particular. Uh, Wind in the Door deals with like DNA and cells I'm pretty and mitochondria. To, I'm, I'm pretty psyched to, to jump into the <laughs> yeah. other and read at least it's the, really the next cool. two in the trilogy. Yeah. Maybe the next not two, all of them. Next yeah. two are Swiftly really solid. Is good yeah, too. there's one later on. So there's the two characters of the two twin brothers that are in the book that aren't in the movie. And they're kind of the protagonists in one of the later books. And that that book in particular... Yeah, they're not even in the movie. Yeah. They didn't even put them in there. They didn't nope. even try. And and that uh, that book is a lot more religious... It's like a sort of a Middle Eastern Jesus-y, yeah. but also I mean, like I Greek mythology type if, weird book. If mm. the twins never really become like central figures in the initial trilogy, and they're not at all in the first book. Like no, they're really they're just not. there as like dressing. Yeah, like, they're, at the the, beginning. they're there later and it's supposed to be like what happens when these, when it's like, it's more like Bill and Ted. It's like what happens when Bill and Ted get dropped into the weird universe. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you're sort of, good, it's yeah. kind of funny because they're like the weird jocks and they yeah. all of a sudden are like, what the? They pretty much take all the so. stuff that they do and kind of attribute it to like the Violet character. Yeah, where it's like Or the totally. bully, the bully. Yeah. Oh. So, all right. Well, well thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming. Um so we did find out we're going to do our next real page turner uh in conjunction with Binnacle Books on in Main Beacon, Street yeah. in Beacon, New York. Um they are going to be offering the next book which is Hidden Figures and oh, you got on. the information on that? Yeah, I had written down for the book version. Hidden Figures is by Margot Lee Shetterly. I'm maybe mispronouncing her last name, but the untold true story of four African American women who helped launch our nation into space. That's a very nice, short and concise title. Yeah. For a book. Well, it's Hidden Figures: colon, oh, No, the rest yeah. Of that. <laughs>
<laughs> and uh, I know there's like a young readers version of it too. So if yeah. you have kids, it's kind of a spoiler alert of a title too. It's yeah. like, oh, well, I wonder if it's these. Fiction. Uh, I mean, it's a I spoiler because it happened. These, I wonder how many of these African American women there are, and I wonder what they did. Oh, they just give it right to you. There's four. There's how many there are, and this is what they did. But it's a popular movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a big hit, and it's got some really good actresses in it. So, so what we're giving? And there's really only one version. I think there's only one film film adaptation yeah. of the book. So that's the one that we're doing. Yeah. So you're doing two months to prep, right? Yeah. So it's uh, this is coming on out right now here at the end of April. So uh, May June. Uh, pick up a copy of that if you live in the area. You yeah, can go to please Binnacle go to Book, Binnacle Books. Let them know. That, uh, I think you get twenty percent off too. Yeah, let if them know you, uh, Story Screen Presents. You're going to be part club, of the yeah. podcast. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then we'll be back last week of June. And I think Binnacle is going to host it too. They're going to awesome. do the whole thing. That's That'll be, be fun. Really fun. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, All so right, follow. you can follow uh, Binnacle Books on uh, Instagram too, just by searching for Binnacle Books Beacon. You'll find them right there, and you can find all about that. Yeah, it's a great book. And uh, and for us, you can follow us on Instagram at Ooh, it's oh, so long. I got this. You got this. Got all the underscores at story underscore screen underscore beacon. Right, or our website storyscreenbeacon.com, where you can find all the articles, reviews, and podcasts. Um, we just had our 100th episode recently, Ooh. so if you didn't get a chance to check that out, it's a lot of fun. We're talking about our favorite movies, our favorite directors. That's a good one. And there's some great hot takes coming up really soon. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so check us out or follow us on uh, whatever you listen to, either SoundCloud or Apple, iTunes. You know, you can follow us wherever you can find your podcasts. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And also for all you Disney lovers out there, we've also got all the Marvel movies. We just got done with oh, yeah. those because uh, Infinity War just came out. We're getting pumped. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's uh, we did a we did a bunch where me and Diana actually yep. did a three part series where we talked about all the different phases. I've had the the Marvel theme music in my head for quite some time now. Yeah, yeah. we've been meowing it to our cat recently. Yeah. <laughs> when we see the cat in the morning, yeah. we'll be like meow, 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 <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Yeah. Meow, 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 meow. Yeah, it's really good. It's meowing, meowing songs is like the yeah. greatest thing so. you can ever do. <laughs> all right, guys. So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you soon. Mm. Okay, hold on one second. Just Ice gonna... is my favorite. It's like water you can eat. It is. Water you can eat. No calories. Delicious. You can you can do the clap. Oh, I never do the clap. I get to do the clap? Do the clap.